It's Monday, September the 21st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Donald Trump blesses TikTok deal and ties take aim at the king. First, the world in brief. President Donald Trump gave his blessing to a deal allowing Oracle, a database firm, and Walmart, a retail giant, to take up to a joint 20% stake in TikTok, a Chinese-owned short video app. A ban on TikTok due yesterday will be postponed while the deal is finalised. Mr Trump said it should include a $5 billion fund to educate Americans about their own real history. Meanwhile, a judge blocked an order forcing American app stores to remove WeChat, a Chinese-owned messaging app. Lisa Murkowski joined fellow Republican Senator Susan Collins in calling for Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat on the Supreme Court to be left empty until after the presidential election in November. Donald Trump announced that he would nominate a woman to fill the empty seat within a week. Assuming no Democrats or independents support Mr Trump's nominee, four Republican defections would be needed to block their confirmation. Victoria, home to most of Australia's COVID-19 cases, recorded 14 new infections on Sunday, its lowest number since June. South Korea announced that new cases fell below 100 for the first time in over a month. India, however, reported at least 90,000 new cases on each of the last six days, with almost 87,000 deaths cumulatively. Globally, the number of confirmed COVID-19 deaths is approaching 1 million. Protesters in Thailand followed demonstrations on Saturday by marching on the royal family's Grand Palace, chanting down with feudalism, long live the people on Sunday. They issued 10 demands for reform and erected a plaque declaring that Thailand belongs to the people, not the monarch. The Republican tone is notable in a country where criticism of the monarchy is illegal and severely punished. Belarusians were out in force for the sixth consecutive week in Minsk, demanding that Alexander Lukashenko, the country's illegitimate president, go away. The European Union vowed to impose sanctions after he stole August's election, but so far has done little. Meanwhile, hackers leaked the personal data of 1,000 members of the government's security forces, who have been instrumental in Mr Lukashenko's maintaining power. Records leaked to BuzzFeed revealed how big Western banks have drawn up hundreds of thousands of suspicious activity reports for their own benefit. SARS are to be filed to the American government when a bank suspects a client's assets have been gained nefariously. They also indemnify the banks from taking further action, thus allowing them to move trillions of dollars in suspicious transactions, which facilitates money laundering. And after finding 13 sarcophagi in a newly discovered well at Saqqara, a UNESCO World Heritage Site south of Cairo, Egypt, earlier this month, archaeologists unearthed 14 more. The wooden coffins, despite having been buried for more than 2,500 years, remain vibrantly coloured and are thought never to have been opened. Experts say this is one of the largest discoveries of its kind. And now here's today's agenda. Melancholy Milestone Global COVID-19 deaths approach 1 million Nine months after reports emerged of a mysterious new virus in China, the world will probably mark the 1 millionth death from SARS-CoV-2 this week. The true toll is almost certainly much higher. Half the official deaths have been recorded in just four countries, America, Brazil, Mexico and India. In America, 750 people are dying a day. The official total will soon pass 200,000. In Europe, which unlike America suppressed the virus during summer, new cases are climbing rapidly. 
The week to September 18th saw 260,000 new infections in 40 European countries, surpassing April's previous peak and pushing the global total above 30 million official cases. For now, deaths in Europe remain low, about 90% less than in April. A nearly five-fold increase in testing capacity has meant a greater proportion of current cases are among the young, whose survival rates are higher. Concerningly, hospital admissions are rising in France and Britain. Expect more bad news to follow. Homeland America's politicised federal law enforcement The Department of Homeland Security is America's newest executive department, having opened its doors in 2003. Under George Bush, it focused primarily on terrorism, and under Barack Obama, it turned towards cybersecurity and immigration. When a whistleblower, Brian Murphy, testifies before Congress today, Democrats will want to hear details of his allegations that Donald Trump has gone beyond shaping priorities to distorting and politicising intelligence. Mr Murphy says that the department's intelligence arm was ordered to downplay the threat of Russian interference in the forthcoming elections and of right-wing domestic terrorism, while hyping the threat of violence from left-wing protesters. The orders were given by Chad Wolf, who is an acting secretary, not having been confirmed by the Senate. Mr Trump has admitted that he likes skirting confirmation. Acting secretaries give him flexibility. To use cabinet departments as political tools, Democrats would reply. General Non-Assembly The UN's 75th get-together At this time of year, New York is normally gridlocked as world leaders and their delegations flood in for the United Nations General Assembly, UNGA. Not this year. Because of COVID-19, leaders will stay away and deliver pre-recorded video messages instead. So today's commemoration of the UN's 75th anniversary will be subdued. Given the troubled state of the world, it was never going to be a boastful birthday bash. We are not here to celebrate, says the UN's anniversary declaration. We are here to take action. The declaration is a renewal of vows and a commitment to reinvigorated multilateralism. It includes a pledge to instill new life in the discussions on the reform of the Security Council, which still reflects the global power structure of 1945. Yet with vested interests stacked against change, the format of this year's UNGA is likely to prove all too apt. Reform will remain more virtual than real. A growing to-do list. Atomic Power and the IAEA. The International Atomic Energy Agency is the guardian of the world's civilian nuclear order. On Monday, it begins its annual conference in Vienna, undeterred by COVID-19. The agenda is packed. The agency is responsible not only for helping states with their nuclear programs for energy and research, but also ensuring that they don't get up to anything nefarious in the process. Its most controversial responsibility is verifying the multinational nuclear deal with Iran, which has been crumbling since America withdrew in 2018. It is a geopolitical hot potato. The agency recently negotiated access to two suspicious sites in Iran, but many countries want it to apply more pressure. Its wider responsibilities look set to grow too. In a study published last week, the IAEA said that global nuclear electrical capacity could be doubled by 2050. Worldwide, there are 53 nuclear reactors under construction in 19 countries, nine of them in nuclear newcomers like Bangladesh and Belarus. Wall Street Blues JP Morgan's traders go back to the office 
Manhattan skyscrapers have sat mostly empty for months as businesses kept their workers at home. But companies are planning their comebacks. JP Morgan Chase has ordered some of its traders back into the office from today, and other banks are planning to get their employees back to their desks. But JP Morgan's experiment has already hit a snag. Despite months of low COVID-19 infection rates in New York, an employee who had already returned to the office tested positive, forcing some to quarantine last week. With the future of city centres uncertain, New York's commercial landlords have been relieved by the big bank's apparent lack of enthusiasm for working from home. Technology companies, which had expanded their Manhattan footprints before the pandemic, are harder to read. Facebook leased 730,000 square feet of office space in Midtown in August, despite announcing plans to have as many as half of its workforce telecommute by 2030 mere months before. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Bernard Williams, who was born on this day in 1929. Even if we were utopian monarchs, we would have to take into account others' disagreements as a mere fact. As Democrats, we have to do more than that. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.